This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. All right, we're in the closet conversation. Let's welcome our A-team guests. We'll start off. Um, we've got two guests uh, this evening. Um, we've got... Um, Officer, Communications Officer for Sex Workers Education and Advocacy Task Force, which is also known as SWET, Megan Lessing. Good evening, Megan. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. Uh, please tell us about, you know, your core mandate at SWET. Well, um, SWET is uh, the Sex Workers Education and Advocacy Task Force. You know, SWET's main aim is to advocate for the decriminalization of sex workers and also for the health and human rights of sex workers. So that's basically our core aim. And uh, we've also got on the line uh, Constance Mate, who is the coordinator of the ASICIDI Coalition for the Decriminalization of Sex Workers in South Africa, and she's also a sex worker. Constance, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Yours is is quite a daunting task because you are in the field, but you're also fighting the cause for those who are sex workers in South Africa. I mean, tell us, how do you manage to, to, uh, you know, get your voice heard, knowing very well that you are still within the trade and the way people look at the trade and the the, the, the discrimination against sex work? Uh, first of all, I would like to say the stigma and discrimination is something that we cannot take away from individual person, but only that the people, they can just think this is not a moral issue, but this is a human rights issue. So for dealing with the kind of the stigma is to come out on the public, um, public media and uh, present the voices of the sex workers and speak out and stand out and say this is what the sex workers and also address the issues that the sex workers are facing on the ground. Mm, now, are sex workers united, uh, Megan? Well, yes, sex workers are united. You know, obviously, like for any group, not everybody has the same idea. But sex workers are united in advocating for the decriminalization of sex work in South Africa. They are united in advocating for health and human rights. They are united for advocating for less violence, you know. And it's not only about united among sex workers. It's also a kind of unity among, because sex workers are predominantly women, but at all are women. So that there is unity among women of the rest of South Africa, there is unity because we are a gender diverse group. We are a culturally and race, a racial diverse group. We are a sexual orientation, you know, there is a lot of diversity. So there is unity among sex workers, but we also understand that our cause, you know, that we're fighting for is not different from the causes that, you know, other people in, you know, the rest of South Africa is fighting for, that we all want. You know, mm. to address gender-based violence, we all want to look at sexual violence. We all want to to address these issues, so that we are unique in that we are sex workers, but we also understand that that you know the issues that we are facing are almost the same. So we have a lot of unity, especially with other marginalised and vulnerable groups in this country. 
Now, I'm coming to you, Constance. Um, in terms of, um, you know, making sure that at least we start off with having more uh, red light areas or districts in South Africa, don't you think that would be a quicker cause to fight for before the entire decriminalization? Because that will take an entire mindset from authority. Uh, sorry, come again with your question. Uh, what are your thoughts on red light districts? Uh, so what I can say, we cannot go anywhere. We cannot even start thinking in that direction before the industry is being decriminalized. Let's just start thinking about the industry being decriminalized and then let's look at the other things after the decriminalization of sex work. So when we are thinking the red light, it's, for example, I can see it has been used in New Zealand, in Netherlands. So the country that has already taken a certain law and participating in a certain law, then they can be able to look at it into the district city. But currently now, if the industry is criminalized, we cannot easily talk about it or address the issue either in any way in any platform or any institute. So the first point of call will be to decriminalize from your taking and then um, have these uh, red district zones. Um, Megan, in... You know, in, in South Africa, yes, there you say that sex workers are united in their cause, but there's also, well, I'm, I'm a person who does not know much about sex workers in terms of how they unite. But what I notice is that there are categories of sex workers. There are those who are, and I've spoken to some, those who are online, those who are who call themselves call girls, those who call themselves, um, oh, Ben, what's that term? What's that term? Um, uh, only fans and hookups. And then there's those you see on the side of the road. Um, and, and, and all of them seem to not be speaking one language. So how do you confidently say that sex workers are united in their cause because last week I had an on fans only or only fans sex worker working online and she said she is not a prostitute she is not a sex worker but the work she does is sex and that's how she gets paid so how can you confidently say that there's a unity among sex workers so the sex worker well to be the, you know the first point of order is that for anyone who identifies as someone who is a sex worker, you know, the appropriate word to use is sex worker. You know, for sex workers, the word prostitute is an extremely offensive word. Uh, but the sex industry in itself is a self-identifying industry. If someone does not identify as a sex worker, that's also fine, you know. Mm-hmm. But we also advocate for people in the sex industry. You don't need to identify as a sex worker, to be able to be protected under the laws of this country, to be able to have your human rights uh, observed and respected. So that's not an issue in terms of how you identify yourself. It's a self-identifying industry, but either way, you are deserving of the rights that is afforded to you according to the Scottish Constitution. So that's, it's a, it's a beside-the-point issue. You are right that the sex industry is extremely diverse. You know, yeah. it's not unique in terms of the rest of the country that some people don't actually sell physical sex and then they have uh, you know that they are in the sex industry and they identify sex workers you get erotic dancers they don't sell sex but they identify sex workers 
And that is, um, you know, it's an individual choice, you know. But it does not negate the fact that every person, no matter the kind of work you choose to do, are deserving of the rights as a worker in this country. So um, in terms of unity, and my idea of unity is that it's not because I look at you and you look at me and you decide that we are the same person and now we, we speak the same words. The unity is meant in the way that if I look at you, no matter what kind of work that you do, is that I will advocate for you and you will advocate for me in terms of our rights. And that is what I meant in terms of unity in the sex industry. Um, the diversity of the, you know, the growth in the sex industry is um, almost is endemic of the times. You know, uh, 15 years ago, no one saw how online sex work kind of exploded in a way. Not much unlike other ways of how online life kind of exploded. And I get that some people don't identify. But as we've seen with how OnlyFans has been exploited, you know, there is a lot of exploitation happening, even in online sex work, you know. The patrons um, enjoy and pay for but there is avenues where you can be exploited. And we've had, um, you know, people reach out to us and say, how can we help you? So it has a legal defense center. There's a lot of cases currently that we are working on in terms of how sex workers or people in the sex industry, even if it's just limited to online, are being exploited and how we can set precedence in terms of the legal work that we do. And currently in South Africa, as we are you know, discussing, sex work is illegal. And this is opening up for um, little to no protection for those who are in sex work. So then, as one who's practicing Constance, what is it that you're doing? Because you're already in, you know, in, in, in the trade. You are a sex worker. What is it that you're doing to ensure protection? I mean, it's, it's still... A criminal act according to the criminal code but you're still practicing in it and many other women and men are practicing it so how do you protect yourselves um first of all i don't want to lie it's it's become so difficult because um the law the system in south africa that criminalizes the industry it automatically opens the the dangers of the violence and the perpetrators within the industry are the police officers. I can say 90% of the perpetrators are the police. So these are the people in power that's supposed to protect the country. So if they are the perpetrators, how can they protect us within the industry? So it's becoming more difficult and challenging. The only thing that we, we can create, we are using the organizations such as Swedish, Sonke, and any other institute because ASICI is a kind of an umbrella that embraces every organization or any institute that does support for the decriminalization of sex work. We check around what services can they offer, what services do they have. If, for example, if you are a sex worker, you are being raped and you go to the clinic, they make fun of you. So there is some organizations such as the Triangle Project who have their own clinics, who run their daily clinics. So you use those kind of human rights organization services around. 
And then in terms of the protection, there is a WhatsApp group and we do have a kind of a, a creative space once in a month where sex workers gather and we share our ideas and we share the, the tips to be careful about this. There is something happening in this town. There is something happening here. This is how we survive. And then the other thing that we do, we make sure that if anyone who works um, outside a street based sex work, you can get a number plate. If your colleague is going somewhere, get a number plate and make sure you send it to sweat helpline number. They have got their toll-free number to just to say there is this kind of thing. If you suspect something suspicious, so this is how the industry has been operating and been protected by the human rights organizations. But one would then come and want to counteract and say, then why do something that is illegal? Why not wait until it's decriminalized? And that would be from a point of view of a person who does not really understand why, why people choose this trade at all. Um, Constance, how would you counter that? Okay, what I can tell you, let's think of that strong, and let me not think about the profession because it's like 1957, all the profession. It has been coming along, and everyone before we were born, we know the sex workers have been existing. Let's think about now in current situation in South Africa, where by there is um, COVID-19. Many people lost their job. Many people have been affected by their jobs. So it's is that there is no jobs in the limited choices that you look around and you think working as a domestic worker, getting paid a thousand or three thousand rent, the cost of living that you are surviving nowadays is too expensive. That three thousand doesn't work. So you look at in the limited choice that you can access and being a sex worker for a long, long time in the industry and then you you have criminal records. That's why we advocate for decriminalization of sex work. With your, your criminal record now, you cannot work anyway. And it takes 10 years to clear one criminal record. What about if you have been arrested 30 times in your life? How many criminal records do you have? Where are you going to work? Who's going to employ you? And then in the situation you have children, you have you are the mother, you have kids, you have responsibility, your family died, your mother died and leave your siblings around and you are the bright winner of the family. What I'm supposed to do? Should I leave them dying? Let me take a responsibility and do. The only thing that people we need kind of a respect to this is an occupation and this is an occupation that doesn't go anywhere. Only thing that we are asking, should people be protected by the laws of South Africa and benefit in our beautiful constitution and benefit the human rights like each and every individual? Mm. Because I heard you earlier also mentioning the word prostitution. That word is come with a stigma already. It's a long word that comes with a stigma. Before people start highlighting and stop using that terminology and say sex work is work. Yeah, so, you know, as much as, you know, we want to decriminalize, we also need to remember that there's certain terminology that has not been 
constituted to be politically incorrect in South Africa. And that word is used. And there are ladies who have come onto the show who do sex work, who have used that word and said, this is what I do. So until we are educated in platforms such as this, this word might continue to be used because other people don't consider it as work. So that's why we're having this discussion. A-teamers, we've opened up our Twitter page. Please join in at SFM Radio and let us know if you are for um, or supporting decriminalization of sex work in South Africa and uh, set your vote there. You can also send us messages at uh, 0614104107 or even SMS four one. Let me go to a voice note from an A-teamer. Good evening, A-teamers. To both our guests, how far are we in getting sex work to be seen as any other job in South Africa? I mean, legally and otherwise. How far are we? Don't we have some legal eagles who can take this maybe to the constitutional court or maybe to the highest court, the Supreme Court in the country? How far are we, uh, you know, to have this profession be seen as any other job? All right, I'm going to give that question to you, Megan. Um, So in terms of the legality or at least in terms of our own constitution, we are extremely far the decriminalization of sex work has already been recognized in terms of a a genuine response based on the research to uh, say the HIV pandemic in the the Senec HIV, the NSP on HIV. It's been recognized uh, in terms of the NSP on GBV. So government and the research supports the decrim in terms of um, the decriminalization of sex work. Earlier this year, I don't know if, if people are following, you know, the information that Sweat puts out in Tsisonke, the national movement puts out, and also that Asijiki puts out, is that the Department of Justice actually approached us to say that, you know, now is the time that, you know, this is the time that we should be doing this. And we've had very comprehensive consultations with sex workers, both in Cape Town and in Johannesburg, and I'm especially surprised that a genuine sex worker in this country would come on public TV and say that I don't, do not consider sex workers work and I want to be known as a prostitute because, I mean, I never had this. I've been in this industry a very long time, but yes, we all learn. But, but the, anyway... The, the thing we, is, that's why I initially asked you, Megan, around the unity. Because so, sex workers who are online will say no I'm can i can i can i can i answer the question of the gentleman in terms of the legality so this is where we are what we've done is that sweat actually with asajiki and with the national movement of sex workers which is the organization of uh, sex workers leading the schools uh sisonke has actually uh, compiled a bill you know, a decrim bill, we call it, and it has been sent to the Department of Justice. And because we are supported by uh, like the biggest trade unions of Africa, Kusatu, to understand that sex work is work, uh, we are supported by FEDUSA, we are supported by Human Rights Watch, by Amnesty International, by the International Labour Organization, that that bill is expected to be tabled before the end of this year. And what we're hoping is because there is a whole 
intricate parliamentary process in terms of, you know, tabling uh, public participation, comment, and these kind of interactions gives the public the, the opportunity to learn about what DICRAM is, what it would look like, what is the impact, you know, because people worry. You know, not everybody understands what is sex work, what does it mean, what will be the impact. So these kind of engagements that we have in terms of media would give the public, you know, who listens and do not understand, um, give them the opportunity to understand, you know, what would DICRAM mean, and that is the, the process that we help. Because we also need to remember that there is an election happening in 2024. And what we hope to do is to have this bill have its parliamentary process before the next election so that it has an opportunity to be either, you know, have its success, you know, that it can have its, uh, um, because, you know, it goes through the National Assembly and then through the NCOP, so it's a long process. And for us to have that process, um, it has to be able to uh, table before the end of this year, but it's already with the department, and we're hoping that, you know, that there is some success. In an article uh, that uh, you commented on uh, for Sunday World um, uh, last year in November, you mentioned that uh, sex work is um, gaining, you know, economically for the country, and you were mentioning online sex material and porn sites. H- how is this measured? So, um, how it's measured, you know that the the actual law that legislates sex work actually um, kind of criminalizes everyone in South Africa. Um, In terms of the Sexual Offences Act, you know, the the provision that criminalizes sex work is the last provision that's left over from the apartheid era. This is a 1957 law. You know, it was a law born from the... Immorality Act, which criminalized sex between um, different races. So it's a 1957 bill, but the bill is, the legislation is so badly written that it not only criminalizes the, the selling of sex, it also criminalizes anyone that lives of the proceeds of a sex worker. So if I take my, I, I take my 500 rand that I earn from sex work tonight and I go to ShopRite and I by something, whoever gets paid from ShopRite, everybody is criminalized, you know. So the idea that sex workers do not contribute to the economy is just ludicrous, you know. They are, uh, the International Labour uh, Organization have estimated that only 65% of people inside the sex industry actually sell sex. The rest of the people support us. They are the drivers. They are the people you, you know, I send my clothes to the laundromat. Uh, they are people that I, rely, I buy airtime. So you contribute to the economy. In terms of the, the actual, um, you know, the legalities in terms of taxation, you know, they are uh, informal traders and vendors that um, can, they can get their G- GDP, but even happens in a criminalized industry, the International Labour Organization um, estimates that the contribution that sex workers already do to an economy is between 2 to 4% to the GDP. Mm. So that's already there. In terms of online sex work, we all knew what the hoo-ha was. You know, in terms of sex workers, people online, some do identify as sex workers, others don't. But what they all were united in, they were extremely upset when they realize that they are now being taxed. 
So whether you do or not recognize, uh, identify as a sex worker, the unity, you know, in terms of the cases that Sweat now has in front of it, is that there is a united understanding that sex workers or people who work in the ex- industry are being discriminated against, but this country is making money. And what was so funny is that when COVID happened, there was no recourse for sex workers. But what this country very soon realized is that uh, OnlyFans existed way long before COVID happened. But because COVID happened and sex workers were forced to concentrate on online sex work, the income for South Africa rose so dramatically that SARS realized that, oh my goodness, we forgot that this is, now we must fix these people. But what they don't realize is now they're fixing people that are criminals. And when we approached SARS, they said, oh, well, they're texting people because uh, OnlyFans is an international company and because of SARS's mandate and things that you're supposed to text an inter- international company. And we are asking, so you only realize this in 2020. OnlyFans has been here since 2014. So they've never texted people here, but all of a sudden now you do. So what we're saying is this country has been making money of sex workers. We understand the responsibility and when we advocate for decriminalization that we understand that we have we want our rights when we also understand our responsibilities for those wanting to do a more formalized in terms of in-house and brothel sex work there is taxation um, responsibilities we understand that we have been contributing to this economy and we are no, have no problem to sort of uh, negotiate you know the terms of um, of those times one sex work is criminalized. All right, I've got an opportunity now to bring you in, Constance. Um, in the same article that I mentioned from November 20, um, 2021, you were talking about the fact that, uh, you know, uh, decriminalizing uh, sex work would open up, um, you know, operations for brothels and individual sex workers as ordinary businesses. How do you envision this happening, especially with the stigma that we spoke about uh, initially? Because, yes, firstly, we'd need to change mindsets from uh, police authorities like you were saying, some of the uh, uh, discrimination comes from there. Um, so how do you envision this? Um, okay, is it for me? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure your name <laughs> is Constance. <you>. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so we believe that it will be recognized by the labor laws and there will be laws that are in place like any other employee because right now the brutal operation, there is good um, beams and there is bad beams out there. We don't deny that. So when it's being recognized under labor laws, people that will be working normal hours, people that will be um, having sick leave, annual leave, benefiting like any other thing, other person. And remember when the outbreak of the COVID-19 when it came out, when the president announced um, the outbreak of the COVID-19, he mentioned that people can benefit on their unemployment fund, UIF. But just because the interest is not recognized, there is people who have been working there in the brothels and working overtime hours, being charged, and they don't pay UIF. At the end of the day, 
the COVID-19 when it came out to the outbreak. They didn't benefit anyway. They didn't, no one is charging them from their sons or anything to get the tax returns like any other employee. So we believe that when we, the brothel is become as a normal business and being registered and also there will be proper laws and proper legislation, legislation in place to protect the rights of the sex workers as employees and also to protect the owners as the business owners. It seems that there's a lot that still needs to be done um, with almost 200,000 sex workers affiliated to various sex workers' uh, rights organizations. Um, and, and and from what you have said, Constance, it, it, there, there is, and also Megan mentioned that, that there is, you know, some correlation and working together from the various um, sex workers' rights organizations, which is a good thing. But my question to you, Megan, as we close up, what is the next step what can be expected by south africans the greater citizens and also those within the sex work profession i think we have as sex workers rights organizations we have a big responsibility this government has a big responsibility in terms of awareness you know people have fears uh, when they don't understand something so it's important that people break it down so that people understand you know what exactly is would be the impact of decriminalization, you know. And we are happy to do that because we've been doing a lot of research. I mean, Constance is the coordinator of, um, I think it's almost 70 civil society organizations. I don't know if I'm wrong um, in terms of the numbers, but those organizations have invested time to investigate because no one wants to introduce something that would be harmful. You know, so it is our responsibility. It is this government's responsibility to create an immense uh, awareness campaign. You know, education is everything. So, so that people understand, you know, what is sex work? You know, who does sex work? Why do people do sex work? Um, um, so that is to me the most important because um, stigma. We we just throw a word like stigma around, but stigma is extremely. Dangerous, you know. It creates uh, barriers to access to health, it imp- and when you create those barriers, it impacts, you know, a range of things. You know, access to health, access to um, healthcare, access to justice. So those are the things that we want to do. So the next step for us, in terms of, you know, people, uh, you know, in advocacy, that we want this world tabled. We want to have this extremely comprehensive. Uh, both public participation process where people can comment because when is that going to happen because you say there's been the interaction between yourselves and the various departments so when are you Uh expecting that to happen we're expecting that to happen before the end of the year so um, we're hoping that it happens around (coughs) October November for the ball to be published uh, the public participation process is entirely dependent on on Parliament. Okay. You know when so, that would happen. So it's something we can look out for in the near future. I've got a question yeah, here from Farai. Farai Atima says, "I now question which women your guests represent if they are not aware that there are many sex workers 
who proudly call themselves prostitutes and use another word that I won't use on air. Nonetheless, I support the discriminalization if it will help to do away with heartless people like pimps, drug pushers and rogue policemen who make money from the criminalization of the trade. It's really cruel, especially on young powerless girls. Um, Farai, we hear you loud and clearly. On Twitter, uh, we asked you, would you support the decriminalization of sex work in South Africa? Um, and 50% uh, of you said yes, while 36.1% say no. And 13.9% uh, say sex workers have rights. So clearly, um, you are going with those who are saying yes. Thank you very much for joining us, Megan and Constance. And uh, we look forward to hearing more on the journey that you are taking for the decriminalization of sex work. Thank you. A-teamers, it's time for us to head on home. We are, in fact, no, no, we're playing great music. That's what we're doing. We're playing great music. And uh, then uh, we are back at uh, 10 p.m. for the Wednesday edition. But Asanda will be giving you sound awake at 3 a.m. May goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success. <laughs>